0: Hey, this is Jessup Warnock, the Director of Marketing here at 7 Figure Flipping. On today's podcast, we have Devin Ramos. Devin is fairly new to investing, and his progress has exploded due to his ability to take action. Devin has masterfully optimized his productivity, and in this episode, he'll teach you some of the tips getting better at being productive, not just busy. This episode was recorded at a 7-Figure Altitude event earlier in February. If you are interested in being in these rooms, apply below. The link is in the description. That's enough from me. Enjoy the podcast. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called 7-Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. My name is Devin Ramos. Um, My beautiful wife, Shelby, right there. Shell, raise your hand. So we've been in this amazing group since October of 2021. Um, We're just... 45 minutes north of here in Clarksville. Uh, That's where we're located. Um, We own a cleaning company, Made in America Cleaning Services, and then Simplify Real Estate is our real estate company. Um, So we started out a lot, probably similar to to you guys, and uh, a lot of other investors, where we wanted the financial freedom, we wanted the time freedom, we wanted the passive income. We loved real estate, we watched a ton of HGTV and we wanted something to do together. So um, we started buying rentals in 2021 and bird them just because it it made sense. But through that process, I think we realized we really liked going direct to seller, and we liked marketing. So me more so, uh, I became extremely obsessed with marketing through that process, and after joining 7 Figure Flipping, even more so. Um, So we primarily wholesale. Uh, we've we flipped, we do rentals, um, we've wholetailed, but like probably two out of every three deals we do, we'll, we'll wholesale, and then that third one, we'll flip it or uh, keep it as a rental. Um, we have two amazing kids, a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and um, I'm also in the military, uh, active, active duty um, at Fifth Special Forces Group, which is uh, about an hour north of here on the Kentucky, Tennessee border. Um, and I'm, I'm a green beret. That's been my life for like the last 10 years. That's, that's my profession. And if you know anything about, um, green berets, so if you ever see like special forces or we wear tabs and things like that, um, that is our, uh, that's like, like our, our moniker, our name. And then we have the, the the green hats or whatever. But, um, if you know anything about us, like within the special operations community, you have like us, Navy SEALs, and there's, there's some other people. Um, we're like the least specialized. So we're all supposed to be specialized. We have like very surgical units within us, but we're known as like the jack of all trades. We're, we're often referred to as the Swiss Army Knife of the special operations community. Um, as a matter of fact, our teams are like the largest. So typically you'll see like a four to six man team. We operate in 12 man teams. Reason being is we need to be able to cover down on like the full scope of operations. Um, We actually have like a commander on the team too to be able to to have that legal authority to make decisions on behalf of the United States government when we're in like an austere environment. So the reason I tell you that is because it builds this culture where everybody is doing a million different jobs. So on my team, my specialty was um, intelligence and assisting with operations. But I was also a sniper. I was also a cell leader. Um, I also did all of our, our biometrics, all sorts of stuff. So, well, oftentimes, what my experience was like was we'd uh, identify the mission that we were going to go on, we'd get slotted against this mission, and then we'd say, okay, well, what's the training plan going to be? Um, like, for me, do I need to be a sniper or do I need to be a, a cell leader? A cell leaders just like, um, when you're assaulting houses, like a, you'll you'll assault in a five-man team, so it's the we call it the one I C, the first in charge, the guy leading that cell. So, are we going to be doing raids and things like that? Um, are we going to be doing intelligence collection? Like, like what is it that we're going to actually do? Um, and then we kind of like tailor everybody to focus on that stuff, and we train up, and 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 that's what we do. And then we come back from the mission four to six months later, and then we adjust, we figure out what's the next thing. We kind of pivot, and then we go at it like that. Um, So that was, again, kind of like my my life. And in 2020, I had the pleasure of um, deploying to the Middle East by myself on a solo mission where I got to operate out of the embassy. So my team was also deployed with me, but they lived in a different part of the country. Um, I lived by myself in an apartment Um, and operated out of the city, and uh, what my typical day looked like was I'd wake up at like 5 a.m. It would be like 10 p.m. our time here, so I'd FaceTime, Shell, maybe get to talk with the boys uh, as they were going to bed, and then I'd go straight into the embassy. I would work out, and then I'd immediately have meetings. Um, Sometimes they'd be really high-level meetings, like I got to brief ambassadors or other state officials. Um, sometimes they were more like networking things. Uh, sometimes I'd have to go out on the town and, and do meetings and then I'd come back and I'd like I'd write what we call a, a cable. It's a, a state State Department refers to it as a cable. It's just kind of like a report. Um, and all sorts of different stuff like that. Every day I would start with like a task list of, you know, maybe like 15 different things. And then I'd try to get done, you know, maybe like 10 of them and then the five would roll into the next day then i would build that list back out and just every day i was just grinding 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 no particular order no nothing i was just trying to smash these tasks and oftentimes i'd find myself in the embassy um like 10 o'clock at night sometimes i'd leave seven or eight everybody else that was working in this embassy was like state department they they lived there for years and, you know, they'd leave at 4 o'clock, go home, and, and it was just us in the office, like, grinding it out. And I didn't see anything wrong with that. And this one day, I'm in the office, it's like 10 o'clock at night, and I get a call on the office phone, and it's my team sergeant. And on a team, the team sergeant is the senior guy. So the commander has the authority, he's the, the officer, legally. But like, you know, he doesn't run a team, the team sergeant does. So it's needless to say, it's somebody that you respect, you have a lot of respect for. Um, and we're talking, he's just like, man, what are you doing? And I'm like, dude, I'm crushing it, you know. I'm on this mission, my own mission. I got six months to get stuff done. And, um, you know, I got the certain milestones that I want to hit, and I'm going to hit him. And he made the statement to me, he says, man, you just care too much. And instantly, I lost all respect for him. Um cause you see for me, like in the culture I grew up in, like that means that we call them turds. Like that's that's just what we call them, right? Gabby, you know what I'm talking about, right? He's a dirt bag. And man, it sucks. And I just I felt like super alone. And then I thought about it, I kind of talked to him, and over time, what we kind of came to the consensus of what he actually meant. And what he meant to say was You care about the wrong things. Like, you care too much about the wrong things. But I didn't fully understand it. And I was just like, what is happening? Like, this is supposed to be like a 9 to 5. I'm coming to work at 6 a.m. I'm leaving late. And I finally just had enough. And I said, screw it. Like, I'm done. And um, what I did was somebody would ask something of me. And I just said, no, I'm not doing it. If it was the end of the day, like, I'm not doing it. I'm going home. I was kind of spiteful about it, but what happened was after like the first, second time of doing that, I realized like, wait, nobody's asking me about this. Like, what is the deal? I thought this was important, you know? I was kind of like scratching my head. And I was like, man, that's crazy. So I started actually recording every time somebody I thought was important gave me something important to do or asked me to do. If they would come back to me and ask again, or if they wouldn't, and how important it really was. And over time, I kind of narrowed it down to a few things. And I realized all these things I thought were important, like just weren't that important. And a lot of times people were dictating my activities because they would say it was important. I was the guy that somebody would send me an email and I needed to respond to that email, you know, by the end of today and get them what they needed. And I just realized that's not sustainable and like that's not important to what we wanted our life to be. So I spent over the next two years trying to figure out how can I only identify what's important, what's gonna help me get closer to my goals, to my family's goals. Only do that stuff and not do the other stuff because the other stuff ultimately just doesn't matter. Um, so as we kinda get started, I'm gonna share with you my, my framework, but I want to, um, kind of squash this time management myth, all right? I've had a lot of people ask me, like, hey, you must be good with time management. You get a lot done. Um, oh, I have issues with time management. Um, oh, I need to get better at time management. And, like, it's myth. Like, that doesn't exist. Um, as I'm sitting here talking to you, it's 1.52, almost 1.53, 45, 46 seconds, 47 seconds, so on and so forth. Like, time is elapsing. Like, I can't manage that. You can't manage that but what i can manage is my activity. so what i think people mean when they say time management is really activity management. so if we can think of and reframe our minds on how can we better manage our activity because those are things that can be managed instead of time, it sets us up for success. so like what is productivity? to me this is like the easiest depiction. how can i have the most minimum inputs to create the largest output? So, you know, on the top, you got the three inputs equals the larger output. Being busy, conversely, is a bunch of little inputs and mediocre output, right? So as we get started, and I I introduce my framework here, I want to encourage all of you that this can apply to you, regardless if um, you're like me and you want to figure out how you can become more productive to free up time to do other things. Or if maybe you're just working you know, 20 hours a week, being so productive, and maybe you want to go, like maybe you want to be a little more productive, but bring that down to like 10 hours a week, right? That's the whole idea here. So as we get started, I want to share a quote with you I really like. It comes from a British uh, fiction uh, writer. But it says, it's important that we know where we come from, because if you don't know where you come from, then you don't know where you are. And if you don't know where you are, then you don't know where you're going. And if you don't know where you're going, you're probably going wrong. So the idea here is we first look back a little bit in history to help us get our feet underneath and realize like where we're actually at. Because once we've identified where we're actually at, we can use that to plan for the future and make that path to where we want to get to. So here's a process that I've used, um, Ryan, Ryan Smith, y'all know I'm in Top Gun, I work with Ryan Smith. Uh, he helped share this with me and helped me kind of refine my process. And I took what he gave me with what I was already doing and kind of put it together and uh, came up with this. Um, this is something that I want to encourage y'all to do periodically too, but it is like the initial thing before we get into the framework that we have to understand. So all we're simply doing, I like to take a notepad. I keep a notepad with me at all times. We're going to take a notepad and we're going to get an inventory. Like where are we at? Where are we spending our time? What are we actually doing? Okay. Then once we get that inventory, we can go ahead and and conduct some analysis. We're going to look for some patterns. We're going to look for distractions. We're going to look for things like that, that we can then take with our planning to figure out how we can be more productive. We're going to apply some things. So a couple tips as we're doing that, right? Take a notebook. I like to draw up three columns. You'll have your date, your time, and your description. And you're going to take an inventory um, every half hour, right? So the easiest way for me to do that was you could make a spreadsheet or you can just make a column in your notebook. But I wake up at uh, roughly 4.30 every morning. So I'd go 4.30 to 5.00. Five thirty to six to six thirty, and I kind of template out my notebook. Then I use um, an iPhone, there's probably an Android timer that's very much the same. but I just go into reminders and I set two reminders. I set one every hour on the hour. so, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m., and then I set another one starting at 4.30, 5.30, 6.30, 7.30. That way, every half hour, I get a reminder, goes to my watch, and it says, what are you doing? When I get that reminder, all I simply do is I say, hey, what have I been doing since the last time I, I scribbled notes? So for me, what it often looks like is I wake up at, at like you know 4.20, 4.25 roughly, and then at 4.30, it goes off. Well, usually I've got out of bed. Sometimes I've already got my cold plunge in. Sometimes I've just grabbed some coffee. Um, I write that down. Then five goes off. Usually that looks like um, I read my Bible. Um, I've done a, a little bit of planning and review for the day. I've reviewed some of my CRMs for the businesses. And then, you know, the, the next 5.30, and then 6, and then so on and so forth, okay? And then once we got that down, we want to do that for at least a week, preferably like like two weeks to kinda of understand where we're at. We're gonna look for patterns, okay? We're gonna look for, for me, I saw a lot of meetings, I saw a lot, of, a lot of driving time, and I could see like, oh, every day at this time, I'm usually driving. Oh, every day at this time, I'm usually doing meetings. And that was helpful for me in terms of when I was able to identify um, my energy levels and where I was at throughout the day how I could move things around to accommodate and overall keep me from feeling so like burned out. Then we're gonna wanna look for our zones. So a lot of this came from journaling and taking notes of how I felt during different times of the day. And I started recording that stuff kind of separately to discover roughly from eight or uh, 4.30 to 11 is my green zone. And then I go into more of like a, a yellow zone where my energy feels a little depleted. I feel a little more tired. And then at about like uh, 435, I hit the red. And so the reason that's important to me is because my the significant brain power that I was using first thing in the morning, I didn't want to spend it doing frivolous things or like, in meetings or, or things like that, that required less energy, less brain power from me. So I started moving those things to the afternoon when I was in the red, because I knew I had to show up and run like an L10, but that required less brain power for, from me than sitting down and coming up with like a portion of my marketing strategy or something like that. Also, doing that stuff earlier in the day usually worked a little bit better for me because my kids were still asleep and, and things like that. Yep. I, I may have missed how it. How did you determine um, what times of your day you said green, yellow, red? Is that green, most energy, red, least energy? Yep, just like a stoplight. Right. Determined in your schedule I had the most energy during this couple of hours. So I went off of fillings when I was doing things. Th- similar to like figuring out what it is I like doing, what, what it is I, I don't like doing. Um, sh- like Shelby did the same thing. It's not always green, red, yellow. And Shelby's, uh, more of a green, uh, red than a yellow instead of a green, yellow, red, right? Um, so it's just looking for those patterns, but you can actually see those patterns when you look at data that you've captured f- from writing, writing notes, right? So on one page you could have like all this stuff. And then on the other page you could have like, are you high energy or are you low energy? Um, how's your mood? Like things like that, right? Um, and then you, it's also helpful to look for um, our distractions, OK? So you just got to be honest. Like, I saw a lot, of, a lot of Facebook. I saw a lot of pacing. Like, I would find myself, yeah, I'd, I'd be pacing, like, thinking, and then, like, 15 minutes would go by. Um, I'd get in these distracted conversations. Maybe a friend would call me at a time that I probably shouldn't answer. answered. I could have let it go to voicemail. Next thing you know, it's two hours later, and I've just had this two-hour-long conversation way out of place, way out of whack. It's okay. It's going to happen. But when you're honest and you see that stuff, um, then we can do something about it, and it creates that self-awareness. So that's that's kind of our first step. And again, I want to encourage you to go and do it periodically. I still do it. Because it helps me get better, and it helps me identify things that maybe I think are um, important and I should be doing. And I, I kind of slowly realize, like, no, that's actually not as impactful as I think. I can, I can start doing some other things. I can maybe delegate those things. Um, so getting into the framework, our four steps, this is something we're going to do. I do it both on a weekly basis and a daily basis. I would encourage you to do it on a daily basis. And I'm going to kind of talk about how. But key thing, one of the key things is being proactive. So you don't want to wake up every morning and do this. You want to do it the night before. If you try to wake up every morning and do it, you're setting yourself up for failure um, because you're going you're to get thrown off, off track. And, and it's a lot. But if you can do it at the tail end of your day, and prep yourself for the next morning, all you have to do is wake up the next morning, kind of review the plan, and make adjustments if there are any in your digital calendar. So the first step is to brain dump. Um, that's simply just getting everything out there onto a sheet of paper so we can see what it is. Um, it's literally everything that's in your brain, you're just getting it out there. Um, the next thing we're gonna do is triage. So similar to like um, uh, a doctor, or, or, um, you know, somebody assisting with like a trauma situation, right? You're going to go with the thing that's going to cause that person to to die the quickest. You're going to prioritize accordingly, and then you're going to go to the next thing that's like a little less lethal, and then the next thing that's a little less lethal, and so on and so forth. So that's simply what we're going to do um, next. Then the third step is to chart the course. So basically we're going to take our priorities that we've kind of figured out through triaging, and we're going to put them into an actionable plan, which is our, our calendar. And then the last step is going to be to navigate that. And that simply is just executing the plan. And as the day kind of takes us off track and we're kind of weaving back and forth, um, we're, we're continuing to stay diligent on, on moving forward and getting through to the end of the day. Um, so that first step, brain dump. I have three different ways that I've done it here that I wanted to share. Um, I understand that I'm a little more technical, so I I think in boxes I like to organize things. Um, That might not be for everybody. So here's kind of a couple ways. The first way that I got outlined in black is probably, I think, like my wife's favorite way um, because she just doesn't think very like in boxes. Everything's intertwined to her. It's just getting a sheet of paper, writing brain dump on it, and literally writing everything that's on your mind. Like, that's it. Just throw it all, throw it all out there. Um, the next way in the center outlined in blue is the way that I prefer to do it. I kind of, at this point in life, see my life in four boxes. I got everything in the personal life. I got everything with the real estate business, everything with the cleaning company, and everything with the Army, my W-2. So as things come to mind, I'm just picking which column do they go into, And then the fourth way is something that I came up with. It's a sheet. Uh, You'll see here in a couple slides, but it says brain dump at the top. I got four quadrants, and I basically do the same thing. I have the real estate company as a header, Made in America as a header, personal, and then Army as a header. And as as I'm dumping these things out, and um, you you want to start the process with the brain dump, but you can also use this and add it add things to it throughout the day as they come to mind to help them get off off of your brain um, into, like, that, that next day. So some of the tips for this, I love writing versus typed, whether that's writing on an iPad or writing on a piece of paper. Typing is just a little too clunky and kind of slows you down. Use descriptive words. So when we're trying to be productive, um... One, we want to be descriptive in what we mean, so we don't forget it, because I've written things down before, and then I'm like, wait, what did I mean by by that? But two, when we're trying to be productive, we want to take uh, little bits and pieces, okay? So for me, like, one of my recent things that I had to do was uh, rewrite our vision. So instead of writing, like, write vision, I'm breaking that down into little pieces. For me, I have, like, a four-step process for writing down my vision, but... What that looks like because i've done it before the first time was i had to like do an outline like what did my vision consist of there's a mission statement the vision itself and a purpose statement so that's kind of my outline that's like a step in and of itself so instead of saying write vision maybe you say outline vision and then maybe a separate thing is like draft a block draft the mission statement draft a vision draft a pers- a purpose statement but you're kind of breaking it apart Then maybe the next step is like review the draft. And then the final step is approve the draft or whatever. However you want to break it down. The idea though is to kind of break it down and not overwhelm yourself with like this super big task. I like to think in one hour blocks. So what can I get done within uh, this hour? Um, And then the last thing is to just write freely. Like write it Oftentimes, I'll know when something's weighing heavy on me because I'll I'll look at my list and I've written it on my list like three times. I think actually when I did this one, I was looking through it and I was kind of laughing because I wrote, I wrote one, oh, right there, two-year vision. I wrote two-year vision on there twice. Um, It was just kind of weighing heavy on me at the time. All right. Um, So that's the brain dump, just getting everything out there and dumping it so we can kind of start to sort it. Then the next step is our triage. With our triage, very similar to brain dumping, I've used a few different processes and I kind of figured out what I like, but I wanna share um, both of them with you. A Couple tips I wanna lead with though are to prioritize your priority, how you're prioritizing things over your organization. So don't worry so much about putting things in boxes and how this goes with that. All you're trying to do is figure out what is the most important thing, okay? I like to categorize what priority is to me. If y'all are familiar with an Eisenhower matrix, very similar to an Eisenhower matrix. I'm looking for things that are either urgent or important or they're both, okay? Urgent, important, or both. If something isn't urgent or it isn't important, it can go on the list, but it's going to get scratched out. Like, I, I, don't, I don't mess with that. And it really is a challenge trying to figure out how do, like, how do I determine what is urgent, what is important. It's something I've kind of learned over time, and um, I think everybody learns it over time. So for me, I ask myself constantly, if this thing isn't done now, is it going to cause problems? That's how I determine if it's urgent or not. How I ask myself if it's important is I say, if this is not done by me or my team, will it cause problems? So if we can identify what is urgent and what's important, we kind of have an idea, then we know what's a priority. We're given definition to the term priority. It doesn't look the same for everybody, right? To to one person, a priority might be attending your, uh, your son's first baseball game. I hope that's a priority for everybody, but the reality is for another person, that just might not be a, a, reality or a, a priority, right? You give definition to your priorities. This is just how I do it on the urgency and the important uh, factors, right? So the next thing I want to talk about is um, do not be afraid to eliminate things liberally. And when we're looking at all the things that we've written on the list and we're starting to sort through what matters and what doesn't, Let's think through like Pareto principle. So 20, again, with productivity, 20% of the inputs create 80% of the output. Don't be afraid to not do things. Don't be afraid to leave things off. Um, You'll get comfortable over time and you'll start to realize like, oh, I thought that thing was important, but I forgot about it, didn't do it. Turns out it's not important. The problem is, is we have a hard time disconnecting our minds to this idea that that is important in, in closing the loop. So to answer your question, I, one of these methods, the way that I, I did it, was to just circle everything that was the most important to me. Okay, most important, not just important, but most important. Because I'm leading with all this stuff up here is at least important and at least urgent. If it's not, I'm not writing it down. I'm not going to waste time writing it down. But I'm trying to find out first and foremost, what's the most important thing? What's the the, the most urgent thing? So I just went ahead and I circled everything that I thought was the most important under each category. So at that time, I said in my personal life, what's the most important thing? And it was like it was approving my taxes. There are a few things I had to review at that time. I went to the real estate company. What was the most important thing? It was getting my PPL integration because I was receiving leads and I wasn't actually seeing those leads. They were kind of spilling out for the army. It was some other thing (laughs) Uh, that doesn't mean anything to you guys. It was writing this report for made in America. It was coming up with uh, adjusting our our org chart for um, my office manager. So I circled those things. Then I went through again and I highlighted what was the most important. So Under this category, what's the most, or sorry, most urgent? What's the most urgent thing? Like, what's the thing that I need done today the most out of all this stuff? Same thing with the real estate company. Same thing with the Army. Same thing with Made in America. And then I wrote down here a little key. So circles mean most important. Lines mean most urgent. If there's something that has a circle and a line, then it's what I consider to be critical, which goes in this box, and I'll talk about that. If it has just a circle, it's only the most important thing. It goes under here, which is the success box. If it has just a line, it goes over to delegate. It means it's important, or it's the most urgent, but it's not as important. I don't specifically have to do it. Somebody else on my team can do it. And then under here, I have this box called the obligatory box. I don't really have a better name for it. Um, This uh, right here is um what is left that i i either it has to get done but it's not the most urgent thing it's not the most important thing so what's going to happen is i'm either going to do it in what we call as white space which i'll explain in a second here or i'm going to schedule it into the white space to create time for it so that i it does get done at a later time so what i was saying was this uh, this i said I have this ob- obligatory box, right? These are things that are, that are urgent or they're important, but they're not the most urgent or the most important thing because we're trying to narrow down. That's what we've done here, right? These things are gonna get done in what I call like, is white space, this is what we call it in the military. You'll see it in a second, but within a calendar, it is open blocks so you can schedule things or you can do more like reactive type of, type of tasks. So now that we've kind of thrown everything out there and we've kind of somewhat organized it to prioritize and say, hey, this is the most urgent thing, this is um, the most uh, uh, important thing, and we kind of have an idea of those things, now we just put them into our calendar, okay? And I like to put them within time blocks because it creates a deadline for us and it creates a specific uh, place. So off on the left, I got these two uh, gray boxes outlined. This is helpful for somebody who's maybe like never used a calendar before or is just starting to use a calendar, okay? When I first started u- using it, what I did was I took my information that I had recorded to identify when is my green zone, when's my yellow zone, when's my red zone, and I just created myself a template here. Then I went through and I created myself time blocks to fit the most important and the most like urgent things that I needed that I knew were recurring on a daily basis right so when I did all that a big part of it was my morning routine and my evening routine those like had to happen because that's how I planned for the day okay my fitness needs to happen every day so I created a preemptive time block for that then I added these two other blocks here which I labeled active and deep and these are where I have allocated beforehand, proactively, time to get done the things that I showed you, the most important thing and the most urgent thing that we had identified. And then right below that was the most important thing that wasn't as urgent, okay? So, the way that I think about it, yes, so within these two time time blocks that I create every single day proactively, For the active time block, I'm doing what we labeled critical on that last slide there. That's the most important and the most urgent thing. That's the thing that like, you're like, hey, this has to get done today or we're screwed. Like it's gonna cause significant harm in the business. And then within the deep block, you can think about it more like similar to like deep work, where this is the thing that is very important, only you can do it but it's not as urgent. So maybe it's, it's, it's something that's coming due in a day or so, um, or, or like two days. It's something that you're working at, but you need to work on it today, otherwise you're gonna get into a situation tomorrow where that's the critical thing, and you're gonna have to put all your focus into it to get it done. Does that make sense? So these time blocks line up, this is why I like my chart, because they line up here with the active time block lines up with what gets put in the critical. The deep gets with what's put in. The, I call my like success box, and then the white space, everything in between, is here for obligatory. This last box there is just so you can write the thing down that you need to delegate, just to take note of it. But it's it it goes. It's off your calendar. Once you've delegated it, it's it's not on your calendar. You don't you don't worry about that. This is about your productivity and not your, t- your team's productivity. So when I talked about white space, if you look at this first green slide here, this is what basically like an unplanned day looks like for me before I've, I've adjusted it. So this was on a Friday. So Tuesday night, I pull up my calendar. This is what I'm going to see. I already have my Bible reading in there. I have my fitness, which goes with the fitness there. I have my active time block here. I've got my deep work time block here. There's a meeting, I do this meeting every Friday. It's already allocated space. And then I have my family time, my evening routine, and I have a lead development time block. Everything in between is what we call white space. So that's space that I can put new events in, or it's space if you're just somebody who wants to be more productive, that you've now freed up to do other things um, it's space that I'll do like more reactive tasks. If I know that I got a closing coming up and I need to send some emails out, but I'm in my active time block, I'll finish what I'm doing first. And then when I enter that white space, that's when I'll start going to emails. That way I can kind of stay on track. I have, I'm creating some sort of structure within my calendar. Okay. So like, this is what it would look like maybe the night before, but as the day builds this right here is what that day actually looked like, okay? So a couple tips here when you're, you're building your time blocks and you're taking the things that are a priority and you're trying to convert them into your calendar. Make sure that you're giving yourself white space in between events, okay? Do not put things back to back to back. You'll see like right here I got this back to back. Well, I knew that I had to do my management huddle in my truck while I was driving away from this appointment. I don't like doing that. Um, I, and I advise against it. You need to account for drive time. You need to account for time uh, where you can just kind of like settle after an event. Maybe you have a, a meeting to go to, maybe you have an appointment, or maybe you just had a, a, a deep work session where you're doing a lot of riding. Once you finish that, you need to take a breather to kind of reorient yourself. So white space allows for that to happen. If you just simply put a bunch of events back to back to back, it's not sustainable. You're going to find, like, you keep missing the events and you're way off schedule, and you're like, I've gone through all this planning, and I just don't follow the calendar It's not because it's not realistic. Um, so make sure you're leaving white space. When you're creating these events, I the way that I like to do it is i like to create weekly reoccurring events so what i mean by that is like when i create my fitness time block here which it says train heroic legs because that's what that's the workout i do right instead of creating from six to seven a.m a time block monday through friday i create one time block six to seven a.m reoccurring every monday and then i do the same thing on tuesday every tuesday and the same thing on wednesday every wednesday the reason I do that is because then when I pull up my calendar to adjust it, I just take my thumb and I drag and I drop these events, and all the calendar says is, hey, do you want to apply this to all events or just today's event? And so I usually will just hit today's because I adjust it, and it doesn't move anything else on my calendar. It's kind of like each day is self-contained. Does that make sense? That's like that's a big one that I realized over time. Um, and then remember, anything that you're doing in this active work block and keep in mind these are just words that I gave they give meaning to me you can come up with your own words you're doing that critical task that that most important and most urgent thing within that deep work block that you've got scheduled it's at least an hour every day you're doing the most important thing but it's not as urgent that critical task comes first And then within the white space, these are all the obligatory things. These are the things that come up, that pop up, that you maybe haven't planned for when you're doing this on Sunday, and they come up for Tuesday morning, but you don't know that until maybe Monday. Does that make sense? All right. On to the last step, to navigate. So we've got this whole plan. One of my favorite quotes is, a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan executed next week. That's probably due to my personality because uh, I I got more of a detail, perfectionist type personality. It can slow my action, so I like to remind myself that swift action now is better than uh, delayed later, regardless of the plan. So I encourage you to follow these steps, but put a plan together as basic as it may be and just start to execute, okay? Some of the things that are going to help you are to remember every so I, I like to do it the night before I get my whole calendar set. I slide the events. I put what needs to go in there. And then that next morning when I wake up as part of my daily routine, all I'm doing is looking at my calendar and I'm saying, is this still viable? Has anything changed between last night and this morning? Nope, it's good. OK, what's the next thing that I need to do? And I have my calendar synced to my watch, so it actually tells me at the bottom, like, hey, this is the next event. So for me today, my next event is at 6.30. It's, it's my evening routine because we all know we're here and I'm attending this, right? So that's kind of how I have mine synced up. Check your calendar regularly. I put it on my watch because that way I can turn my wrist and I can see it. I know it's a really hard habit to get into, but you got to do it. You just have to check your calendar. It's no good if it just sits if it just sits in your pocket or on the desk or wherever. Use alerts for all of my time blocks. I like to do at a minimum a reminder 10 minutes prior. That way whatever I'm doing 10 minutes before, I'm like, "Oh yeah, that is I I am supposed to do that." That's extremely helpful with with meetings cuz there's time where I'll get kind of caught up, and I forget that I had a meeting at three o'clock. And all of a sudden, it's like two fifty, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's right. I got to go down that hall to that meeting, or or whatever." Um, and uh, continually, what, one of the the things that I like to do part, as part of my morning routine is I'm getting focused for the day is to filter as much information as possible. So asking myself, "Hey, what is that critical task again?" and what is that. Uh, success task and just like committing that to memory right what we're trying to do if you if you haven't noticed is like filter information so we dumped all this stuff we kind of put it through a filter and on our sheet we had one thing in each box I should have mentioned this but there were several lines of each of the four boxes I had my rule is I only put one thing in a box at a time okay that way I don't get overwhelmed and I don't, don't get distracted. So when I come into every day, I see everything that's on my calendar, but the only thing that I have in my head that I know that needs to get done is my critical task and my success task. And that's literally it. And once those are done, that day is complete. For me, I'll load something else in, but you don't you don't have to do that. And that's how we become productive, like by only doing those things that really actually do matter. Um, at a time at a time. Yep. For that day. Yep. And then once I'm done with it, I'll cross it out. And if it's like 8am, I'll add another thing. But if I don't need to, I won't. There are days where I get distracted. I get thrown off the track, right? This is part of navigating the course. If you don't get that thing done, all you simply do is you roll it into the next day but you do roll it into the next day, right? If you find that you don't need to roll it into the next day, that should tell you something, that it wasn't actually a priority, it wasn't actually important. So scratch it off and just don't do it, and then you've learned something. Oh, I thought this thing was a priority, but it really wasn't. Um, When you check your calendar, make sure you're checking for conflicts, things move. This is why I like the events to be kind of autonomous in the day, because I just slide them on my calendar with my thumb. Um, so checking for conflicts is important. And if you have one, adjust your, your calendar accordingly. Don't get in the habit of having conflicting events and, and, and thinking you can split yourself between two different events. It's not a good habit to get into. And then asking yourself, is my white space adequate? If I have a meeting at location A, and I know that maybe I'm going to go to the gym at 12 o'clock, do I have enough white space to account for the drive time to get to the gym or am I being unrealistic here? Because if you're being unrealistic, you're gonna miss your, start to miss your times and it, and it, and it really starts to kind of crush you and you feel like you just you can't keep up and that's not the point of this. Last thing I wanna leave you with as we close out here. Here's five principles that I've kind of learned to apply as I'm trying to become more productive. And this isn't just for the the four-step process that I mentioned, this is just for productivity in general. It it applies across the board. Um, Being proactive versus being reactive. So with the uh, getting your calendar set up, doing it, I do it once a week, so I do it every Sunday for the whole week. My calendar kind of slowly develops, and then Sunday night, I set up for Monday, and then Monday night, I set it up for Tuesday, and then Tuesday night for Wednesday. And once you start to get these reoccurring events in your calendar, it really is like, it takes me like maybe 30 minutes to move things from my my task list, cross them off, prioritize them, get them into the calendar, adjust the calendar. Um, If you stay consistent, it'll be minimized. If you don't, you're going to get into this reactive state where you're trying to figure out in your head, hey, what is a priority, what isn't a priority, and then you're going to forget about everything. And then the next thing you know, you're like, man, what did I do today? Like, have you guys ever had that where you like work like eight hours and you're like, dude, what did I do? Like, I did like one thing, right? So that's what that's what we're we're trying to avoid. The second thing is you can create your your ideal environment. There's so many cool tips and tricks and hacks out there, but a few of them that I learned is a clean environment. I don't think this is this is um, <laughs> this is fairly appropriate, right? I own a cleaning company, but <laughs> keeping a clean environment helps keep your mind less distracted. I like love to get into the psychology behind it, but we don't got time for that. But the bottom line is it keeps your mind less less distracted, okay? Emotionally, it also makes you feel a little better, a little more confident. Um, having dedicated space. So um, sometimes, like in a W2, you might not have or be able to close a door and get that, that space where nobody's gonna, gonna bug you, so it might be a struggle, but maybe you can find another location that you can get into for some of these time blocks is, is appropriate. Um, keeping a one-track mind. So who's the multitaskers in here? Yeah. So multitasking is cool. But the thing is, is what I've realized is like if you're habit stacking, you're still creating kind of a one track mind, right? The idea behind habit stacking is you're taking something that you've done so much. It's automatic to only focus your mind on one thing, but your mind is still only focused on one thing. So an example of that is every morning I use the restroom. I think a lot of us do right? So what I've stacked with is going to the restroom is when I log my mileage and my real estate hours, because I log those real estate hours because I want to be a a real estate professional and and so on and so forth, right? That hasn't failed me. I'll miss like one or two days um, sometimes, because maybe I get on Facebook because I got my phone with me. (laughs) But realistically, I'm stacking it with something that I know I'm already going to do and is automatic. Um, A lot of people will do like, coffee and reading right so they grab their coffee they have their book there so it kind of cues them in to read that's okay that's not multitasking to me what multitasking is is when i say hey i need to write this report and i need to send this email and i write the report and then i do a little bit of the email and then i go back to the report and then i go back to the email that's what you don't want to do because it eats up so much energy constantly pivoting you want to stick with what it is that you need to do Follow it through, and then pivot to the next thing. Um, default to no. Get comfortable, automatically saying no, and then pause and think about: Wait, is this something that actually is a priority? Um, for me and my W-2, it, it was really uncomfortable at first. But like I shared with you guys, after I did it a few times, there wasn't even any hard feelings. Like people understood. Um, In my environment, we all had several responsibilities, so they understood. It was more or less me that was taking it personal and thinking that it was a bigger deal than it was. So don't be afraid to default to no, and then figure out what you have time, what you have space for, and does it actually align with what I'm saying my priorities are. Leverage deadlines. This is the whole concept behind time blocking, right? Like making sure that you give yourself constraints, Don't get in the habit of saying, like, this thing needs to be done and, um, you know, I'll work on it a little here and a little there without actually creating a hard deadline. Because what's going to happen is you're going to kind of drag it out and then you're going to rush to the end and find out you could have got it done in 30 minutes anyways. All right. That's it. That's all I got for you. Um, Real quick. I. Thank y'all. I, I appreciate it. Um, I got a QR code there with this slideshow. So if you want to reference it, and then also the sheet that I made, um, you'll see in the sheet, basically the bottom half says brain dump. The top half has those quadrants. The way I use it is I fold that sheet over so that I only see one side at a time. So I dump all my stuff the night before I get it. I make a mess of it to help me prioritize. Then the prioritize, the, the prioritize things Go in the boxes. One thing in each box, and then that's all I look at. I don't look at the nonsense. I fold it over intentionally because I don't want to distract myself. Does that make sense? Cool. All right, y'all. Thank you. I appreciate it.